Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sports by the Hour podcast. Today, we're doing uh, NFL Week 13 reactions. This is Ethan Schapp, Matthew Schwab, and Evan Sillett. And uh, the first game we're going to talk about is uh, one of the Thanksgiving games, the Buffalo Bills uh, at the Dallas Cowboys, in a game where the Bills won pretty handily 26-15. to um, In this game, I want to talk about Josh Allen and his performance. He uh, had 19 completions for 24 attempts, uh, three for 231 yards, and had a touchdown. Zero interceptions. And I just thought that this was, um, in my recollection, one of Josh Allen's first primetime games. Um, and I thought he did a great job. He was composed. He uh, he sat in the pocket when, uh, when, his, when his line allowed him to. And he really looked downfield and looked for the smartest throw possible. Uh, and he led his team to 232 passing yards. Uh, the Bills rushing game was pretty effective as well. Had 124 rushing yards. Uh mostly from Devin Singletary, their, uh, their rookie out of FAU. Um, he had 14 carries for 63 yards. And uh, overall, I thought the Bills' defense played pretty well. Uh, getting to Dak Prescott, uh, they made him throw one interception, and that was the only turnover in the game. So uh, overall, I thought the Bills played a really great, complete game. Okay. Um one of the main points I want to highlight is Amari Cooper coming off of a zero reception, zero target. Not zero target, zero reception, zero yard game. They got him back and moving, and he's a huge part of their offense. So getting him back into the game is huge. I also want to highlight how Ezekiel Elliott is, uh, has seven receptions. Their next closest receiver is Jason Wynn at six. So other than Amari Cooper, there's no really wide receiver presence at the moment. I also want to highlight how... The stats are, they 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 get they have a hundred more yards than the Bills, ten more uh, first downs than the Bills, but they can't finish, and that's not because of players, it's not because of playmakers, and this was said by Colin Cowherd, but it's also it's coaching. Jason Garrett is the problem, and the fact that there's I get it's hard to move on from a coach, but it's about time that got Dallas Cowboys moved on. Going off of what Evan said. At the start of the year and throughout most of the year, I thought that Dak was a problem. I always saw him as inconsistent, and I saw him at times as unable to lead an offense. But it it's their coaching. It's, it's clearly their coaching. Jason Garrett has been unable to make a play that has gotten them into the end zone while they're within the 15-yard line. I they need to fire Jason Garrett. It's it's that plain and simple. By the end of the year, Jason Garrett should lose his job. He'll probably find one somewhere else. But Dallas needs to move on. They need to get a better coaching situation. Um, the next game we're going to talk about is the another Thanksgiving game: the uh, New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, in this game, I just want to focus in on uh, Alvin Kamara. Um, he didn't have a great numbers day, uh, but he had 11 carries for uh, 61 yards, and in the passing game, he caught four passes for 23 yards, which was the second. Uh, only Michael Thomas had more catches, uh, which was six catches for 48 yards. But Alvin Kamara, in the plays that I saw, um, in passing game, he averaged 5.8 yards, and in the rushing game, he averaged 5.5 um, yards per carry. And it just, every time he got the ball, it just seemed like to me that he made a really nice play, and it was just really impressive. Also, standout player of the game was uh, Taysom Hill. He uh, blocked the punt in the first quarter and then went on the score uh, a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. And um, 
when you have someone like that on your team who can just he they draft him from BYU as a quarterback and he comes in and makes an impact on special teams by blocking a punt and then in a in a passing game and rushing game scoring touchdowns on in both ways it's just really impressive and I've seen nothing like it before and the final point I want to make is the um Atlanta Falcons kicker Young Hoon Koo sorry if I mispronounced that but when this game was wrapping up the Falcons needed onside kicks, which this year has been extremely hard to get by. There was three onside kicks successful this year so far going into that game, and he managed three successful onside kicks at the end of this game. Um, one was called back for a penalty on before the pre, pre-kick, pre and then he went out and did it again, and then they scored, and then they kicked another one, and they got it again. And he might have single-handedly – there's been talk that they were going to get rid of the onside kick or add something else for like a fourth and 15, and I think – his performance in this game single-handedly moved that back at least a year because he showed that there is a way you can effectively kick once I kick still in this league, and it was really impressive to watch. Um, I don't have much to say about this game. Uh, the one thing I do have to say, though, is about Jared Cook. He's been underutilized this whole season by the Saints, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater not throwing it to him or it's Drew Brees not throwing it to him. He only had three receptions, but he's able to put up 85 yards. He's a dynamic tight end. I feel like he should get way more touches than he does. But I do like how they're finally starting to realize that he can put up the numbers. Uh, Honestly, I think I'm going to go with Evan here. There wasn't much to say. I will say that um, despite throwing two interceptions, once again, multiple interception game, Matt Ryan at times looked better than what he has over the course of the year. Um, I think that for what it is, he's been kind of picking it up uh, in terms of how he played the first five, six weeks of the season. Um, but other than that, this was kind of a this was kind of a wash game for me. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Redskins and the Panthers game. Uh, the Redskins surprisingly won this game, uh, 29 and 21. Um, this game. Highlighted with well, the highlight of this game was Darius Geis. Um, he's a second-year player out of LSU. He was drafted last year um, by the Washington Redskins and missed the whole season due to injury. Uh, this year, he tried to play Week One uh, and the preseason, got banged up, got injured, missed up all the way up until last week where he had limited carries. And this week, they let him out there. He had 10 carries for 129 yards, averaging 12.9 yards per carry, and he had two touchdowns. Uh, Adrian Peterson also was a huge part of this game on 13 carries, having 99 yards at this point in his career is insane. We're in front of the touchdown. So I was really impressed by Washington's run game, and it was able to get them the win over this Carolina team run by Christian McCaffrey. I will say that in this game, this was one of the worst quarterback performances I, I've seen from two quarterbacks in this so far this season. It, it was pretty bad. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, 13 of 25 for 147 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but a 69.9 quarterback rating. Kyle Allen, 278 yards off of 27, uh, for 46, two touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of 81.6, which isn't bad, but towards the end of the game, it, Kyle Allen kind of, Kyle Allen lost it towards the end of the game, uh, specifically on the last drive. Uh, and more specifically, on the last play, in which, uh, after being stopped on three consecutive plays on within the five-yard line, uh, fourth and goal, 
no timeouts remaining, had to go for it. Um, Carolina snapped it, pressure right away. Kyle Allen escaped the pro- escaped the pocket, ran back all the way to the 25-yard line only to fumble and lose possession, giving Washington the win. Um, but other than that, uh, the running the running game for Washington looked the best it's ever looked this year. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Darius Geis. Uh, some of that you can be attributed to Adrian Peterson, and teams are now starting to plan around Christian McCaffrey. Evan's going to probably talk about that more, as he brought it up earlier. Um, but it's beginning to show. So the main thing with Christian McCaffrey and how they're game planning around him uh, is he was a runner-up for MVP. He was, I think he was the fourth in the race at one point, week seven, I believe. And then teams started cramming the box, and Kyle Allen has shown that he cannot go over the top and that he is not he's not ready to be a starting quarterback. He does have potential. I will give him that, but he is not ready. And the fact that they're able to cram the box, rush with five people, and have two linebackers just spying on McCaffrey is just kind of – it's just sad to watch because I love McCaffrey, and I think that he has the potential – to be the number one running back in the league, but the fact that teams are able to game plan around him and make sure that he is held to 14 carries and only 44 yards, it's just kind of depressing because Kyle Allen, they're crammed the box and Kyle Allen can't get it to the wide receivers that are beating their one-on-ones. Um, also, uh, for Kyle Allen, and I think just the Panthers as a whole, uh, Greg Olson is a nice, big, strong tight end. He's a huge target, especially for a young, inexperienced quarterback. Uh, he only had three receptions for 22 yards. I just think, huh? Oh, we got hurt in this game? Okay, because I say, just as a whole, they need to get him the ball more because he's a big target for them to use in the passing game. The next thing we're going to talk about is the Jets and the Bengals. And the Bengals are no longer winless. Uh, they finally got, they finally got a game for their home crowd. Um, it was Andy Dalton's, uh, comeback game. Uh, they finally, they decided to bring him back. They unbenched him. And honestly, do I think Andy Dalton has been a good quarterback for the Bengals? No. I think he has been pretty much bad as most of his career. But this year, you, I, we can go back to the, the first four weeks of the season. He was leading the league in passing yards. He took Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to one point in the first week. I thought benching him was a little dramatic by the Bengals early in the year. And when they brought him back, I'm not really surprised that he actually got the offense rolling. He completed 22 out of his 37 passes for 243 yards with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Um, and, yeah, so they, they're going to talk about the rushing game for the Bengals. But uh, in the passing game, um, the highlight was Tyler Boyd. He had five catches for 59 yards and the only receiving touchdown. But, yeah, so I'm going to let these two talk about the rest of this game. Nope, Evan. <laughs> Look at that rushing Right, I want to highlight on Joe Mixon. The man went from a Pro Bowl. He got the rookie reference point. <laughs> he, he, he went from being a Pro Bowl nominee to becoming 19 carries for 44 yards, averaging 2.3 yards a carry with one touchdown, which was probably a one yard run <laughs> on the end zone. Oh, it was longer than nine. Oh, shorter oh, than nine. Shorter than nine, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we're just going to talk as a whole. Uh, I, I like Le'Veon Bell, but he had 10 carries for 32 yards and three point, averaging 3.2 yards a carry. Now, I get that he's he's been mainly a receiving back for them, but that's just sad. Like, they had there was no running back with over 44 yards. Both of these defenses held their, each other's running game. 
Uh, I also want to talk about Mr. Inconsistent himself, Sam Darnold. Um, <laughs> he went 28 for 48, which, although is not that bad, he was not able to make any plays. And other than with Robbie Anderson going out for the long balls, it, it, he was he's just throwing a dunk to Le'Veon Bell. It's just, you know, just Sam Darnold. Can't really expect anything else from him. Uh, one more thing I would like to talk about, and that is Andy Dalton's wide receiving core. His best wide receiver is Tyler Boyd, who has been a wide receiver too his whole career behind A.J. Green and hasn't even shined in it. He's been very – he's been good, but he, he's, not, he's not even reached the wide receiver one cover. And I ju- the fact that Andy Dalton's not able to put up more stats with – not I mean – the fact that Andy Dalton isn't putting up the stats and the fact that he's getting benched is not all because of him. He's throwing to his best – the best wide receiver he has is Tyler Boyd. It's just – and Tyler Eifert is a worn-out tight end. Other than that, he doesn't really have anything to throw to other than Alden Tate, who I haven't even heard of until this year. Well, uh, I'm also here to call out one Samuel Darnold, Mr. Mono himself. Um – he is now responsible for giving both the Dolphins and the Bengals their first wins of the season. And for beating the Cowboys. And beating the Raiders. <laughs> and beating the Raiders. <laughs> Jets fans, it's it's one of those hard-to-swallow pills. He was your first-round pick, but let's face it, he's not going to get you anywhere... He's he's not gonna get you anywhere past five wins in a season. <laughs> All right, the next thing we're gonna talk. Oh, you, are you, you. All right, I'm gonna defend Sam Donald here because although he hasn't played that well, he has shown that he has potential to beat a team single-handedly. He beat the Cowboys. He beat the Raiders. And granted, granted, the Jets de- the Jets defense held the Raiders. He still put up what 40 points on them. He put up 40 points. It's 34 or 40 points on the Raiders. He has potential, and he has shown it. Now, and his star wide receiver, hold up one second. Crowder was hurt for most of the season. Marius Thomas is old, dude. Marius Thomas is old. It's Sam Donald has, I, I would say, give him at least one more season. And draft and try to b- draft an O line for the first time in the Jets probably whole franchise. Get an O line, please. <laughs> you have anything else to say? No. All right, next game. Shrub, you can start this one off. Um, we're gonna let you start this one off. You can you can read this game off, Shrub. The next game we're gonna be talking about is the Philadelphia Eagles against the Miami Dolphins. Score of that game was 37 to 31, Ethan, in favor of Miami. I'm talking about your favorite play, though. That's, that's good. <sighs> yep, first round that won't get you anywhere. I'll, I'll just. Any, anybody else want to? I mean, for what it is, I mean, three touchdowns, one interception, 93.6 quarterback rating. Although he got outplayed by Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had who had three touchdowns and one interception and a 113 quarterback rating. Oh, and Miles Sanders. 
had 17 carries for 83 yards, but that's that's all because JHI only had two carries for nine yards. No, I don't want to talk about the special play. <laughs> I'll talk about that because you have to talk about it. All right, so Miami Dolphins and their crazy – the crazy way they play football. I really just don't – I think the Miami Dolphins just know that they're going to get a really low draft pick, and they just go out there and try to have fun because <laughs> they played against the like Redskins earlier in the year, and they went for two and Is missed it and then lost. <laughs> and they lost it. And then this year, it's like what? It was a fake field goal, and you have the punter – you have they lined it up like this the 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 Colts three years ago through Patriots that was just terrible and then next thing you know you have you snap it to the punter and he's running he's running around in the backfield and then next thing you know, he just no look flips it to the kicker for a touchdown and you, I'm just sitting here and I can't I can't imagine who calls that play and who thinks it's a good idea and then it works because the Eagles secondary is just dysfunctional as anything so. Um, Hats off to the Miami Dolphins for just going out there and giving us entertainment, and they actually won. Um, they make the NFC East, which is just a garbage race, somewhat exciting at the end of it, I guess. The Dolphins are the meme team with a dream. Eagles are just bad. All right. <laughs> for once in my whole life, I think I might take Carson Wentz's side. Carson Wentz didn't have a horrible game. Yes! He didn't play fantastic, but he didn't have a horrible game. And the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are dysfunctional is not all because of him. Their secondary is probably one of the worst secondaries I've seen. I think Dolphins might have a better secondary than them. Okay, let's talk There was was one wide receiver, (laughs) Devontae Parker, who I called in the beginning of the year to be good, just saying. But he decimated their secondary. He was mossing Wills, Mills, the whole game, going over top of them in double coverage, just making plays over them. One wide receiver in double coverage making plays over them. There's two of them there. I just don't understand how people are blaming Carson Wentz for this. It's not just Carson Wentz. Evan, you're going to make me cry. You're making me so happy. It's, <laughs> and then, okay, I'm going to read out Devontae Parker's stat line real quick. He had seven receptions, 159 yards, averaging 22.7 yards a, a catch, two touchdowns, and a, hit a, long, and a long for 43. One more thing that I would like to call out right now is uh, the cornerback Mills, Jalen Mills. He should be guarding no higher than the wide receiver three. The man showed that he's a brick. Like, he was trying to guard Devontae Parker that whole game, and he got mossed at least three times on my count. And he was at least burnt downfield twice by my count. And the two of the other ones, he actually played some pretty good D, but got mossed. So at the end of the day, it's not just Carson Wentz. Even though he's not playing his best football, it's not just Carson Wentz. It's a dysfunctionality of the Eagles defense. Um, I want to talk one more play about this game. Uh, Ashawn Jeffrey, who's been struggling with injuries all year, he uh, finally got back, and he had nine receptions for 137 yards, averaging 15.2 yards a catch and a touchdown. And that's pretty good. That's actually pretty impressive for coming back off an injury. Um, I'm going to have Schwab start this game because uh, he wanted to add it to the list this week. Uh, the, this game is the Oakland Raiders, uh, against Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the reason that I wanted to talk about this game, uh, was A, how bad it was for the Raiders and how, how much they've kind of dropped over the past two, three weeks. I mean, first getting absolutely decimated by the Jets, 
and now just getting handed the biggest L of their life by the by the Chiefs. Uh, also, because of how monstrous of a game this was for Kansas City season. I mean, they were they were seven and four coming into this game, looking for the top AFC or yeah, well the top division seed, um, or at least to secure it. Uh, so this was kind of a big game for them. Uh, Pat Mahomes. This is the before last week he had never thrown for under 200 yards in a game. He has now thrown for under 200 yards in back-to-back games. Um, also, uh, I, other than the whole Patrick Mahomes thing, uh, Josh Jacobs returned to form. 17 carries, 104 yards, 6.1 yards per carry. Um, but I do want to talk about some worries that I have with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City offense. I feel as though it it almost seems as if at times it's kind of like the Sean McVay genius card. It feels like at times people are figuring it out. It feels like people are able to contain guys like Tyree Kill more often now. Obviously, you're not going to be able to stop a guy like Travis Kelsey. I still think that he is the best tight end in the NFL. Uh, he had five receptions for 90 yards. Um, but I just... I think that at times Kansas City's offense this year has looked stagnant compared to what it was last year. Um, thing, <laughs> the thing, the thing I want to talk about on this game was, um, like Rob said, Josh Jacobs, uh, he's back to his original form. He got shut down by the Jets two weeks ago, but um, this week. Josh Jacobs, uh, like Schwab said, got back to it. Um, he has a chance, an accurate chance of getting back into the Rookie of the Year conversation, which would be a battle between Josh Jacobs and Kyler Murray. Um, and I would talk about uh, Darren Waller. Huh? Dude, there's defensive and offensive. Darren Waller. <laughs> Darren Waller, but uh, I think Evan will talk about him. Um, yeah, so that's my take. I just Good to see Josh. The only positive I can take from the Raiders is uh, – Josh Jacobs is back on track. Also, um, Schwab was kind of harsh on the Raiders, saying the last two weeks they're uh, they've done pretty bad, which is true. But if you would have told me the Raiders are gonna be six and six uh, and be playing in a game that would give them the first seed over uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in the division, I wouldn't have said there would be no chance. I mean, they they shouldn't even be six and six. The, the team is not. John Gruden, I think, has done a great job with. Uh, the team overall. So, here's Evan. So, I think the Raiders team, although they, I, one the main thing I want to highlight on the Raiders team is they are one for five away. They can't win at, when they're not at their home stadium. That is just something I wanted to point out because I realized that and I was, it's just kind of, if you can't win on the road, you're not going to win. In general, you're not going to make it to the playoffs. It's a, it's a proven fact. Shut up. I also want to talk about Darren Waller, who came into the Oakland Raiders as they were giving him a shot because he had been nothing but a problem for me- for the Ravens. And then the Ravens traded him to the Raiders, and he missed last season. So then he came back this season, and he has been nothing but a stud. And he's, he's been their lead wide receiver right now, and he's in the tight end position. He had seven receptions for 100 yards, averaging 14.3 yards a catch. 
he's been helping Derek Carr in, in so many ways. And although Derek Carr has been having a good season overall, his past three games have shown that he needs a star wide receiver. With Amari Cooper gone, he needs somebody. And so far, he has nobody other than Darren Waller. All right, next thing we're going to talk about is the Sunday night game versus uh, the between the Patriots and the Texans. And in this game, um, Patriots offense, once again, looks stagnant. Tom Brady uh, threw, that I can remember, two terrible passes right to um, Texans defender Bradley Roby. One was an interception that was held up, and the other one uh, was called back. They said that Roby was uh, held on the play, but there was just some clear plays that Tom Brady just does not look the same anymore. But I want to more focus on the Texans and their offense. I thought uh, it ran at an amazing rate. They, uh, um, Deshaun Watson has completed 18 out of 25 pass attempts for 234 yards with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Um, and the one play I want to talk about that was a really specific play late in the game to get them a touchdown when they, when they needed it, when the Patriots started to make it kind of close in the end, was a a play that they interviewed Deshaun Watson after the game and asked him about. It was a handoff. A handoff and a wide receiver ran across the middle, handed it back off to um handed it back off to another wide receiver. Then they pitched it to oh no, they handed it to DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins rolled out with um Deshaun Watson as an option for him to toss the ball to. Then DeAndre Hopkins takes the hit and flicks the ball to Deshaun Watson, and he runs it in and dives in for the touchdown. And the, the key part of this play was they reviewed it because they thought maybe it might have been a forward pass, and then therefore they would take it back. But since the other two were handoffs and not pitches, DeAndre Hopkins actually had a passing touchdown. So it could have been a pitch or a pass because there had been no lateral. There's been two handoffs before it. So it was a great play drawn up by Bill O'Brien and the coaching staff for the Texans where that they had their two best players, DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, running out on a motion or on an option. And Hopkins could throw it forward or backwards to keep the play, keep the ball in play. So it was a great, great play by the Texans. And um, once again, for Deshaun Watson, he really spread the ball out. There was three, there was four different uh, players uh, with receiving touchdowns. Kenny Stills had one. Uh, Darren Fells had one. Duke Johnson had it. Will have one, and then, like I said, Deshaun Watson had one. So, um, it was a great job by him spreading the ball out. He didn't just feed DeAndre Hopkins, and he spread the ball out to everybody. It's time for Patriots fans to take the pill, the hard to swallow pill that Tom Brady this year has been washed up. Tom Brady completed just barely over 50% of his passes. And yes, he had three touchdown passes, but two of them were to James White. And one of them was to Julian Edelman. Um, yeah, 300 yard game with all checkdowns where he gets good blocks for his receipt. I know, but he can't even make those passes half the time anymore. He's missing passes in the flats. Tom... Tom, Br Tom Brady is very washed up right now. He, it, it's time to take the pill, Patriots fans. It's time. I can agree with the Tom Brady thing. The deflate master himself is finally deflated. <laughs> um, I just, he, the fact that he, he was never good, never like fantastic at the long ball. He was never fantastic at the long ball, but 
he always strived in the short, and he's been kind of struggling on it. But now he can't even throw long. I saw him throw a it was a, I think it was a forty plus yard throw, and it it just it was nowhere near the wide receiver. Uh, I also want to talk about James White. He had fourteen carries for seventy nine yards, five point six aver- averaging five point six, which is not bad. It's but it's not enough to carry a team, and they need to get their rush. They need to rush more than they throw, because Tom Brady's just not going to get it for them anymore. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is the New England defense. The New England defense is by far probably top five defense in the league, but they can't carry an offense. They can't carry. But they can't carry an offense that can barely score two touchdowns. This time they scored three. But it, what was it? Week six, the defense had more scores yeah. <laughs> than the offense, which is just showing. And it, it just sucks when the defense makes a stop. They get a punt. And the, the Patriots have our own offense, and all they have to do is score a touchdown, and they can't even drive. Uh, it's, it's honestly surprising me that the Patriots are 10-2 to, 10 to right now. I understand they have an easy schedule, but the way their offense is playing, it's been nothing but mediocre best. And um, the final reaction game we're going to talk about is the 49ers at the Baltimore Ravens um, in a game where the final score was 17-20 when it came on a last-second kick by Justin Tucker, who had a 49-yard field goal in the pouring rain. Um, I was actually at that game. Uh, in this game, I actually want to talk about the Ravens' offense. Um, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson, and I'm going to be a little critical this game. He had a passer rating of 86.3. Um, as everyone knows, I'm the biggest fan of Lamar, but uh, I'm going to say that it is. Uh, he went 14 for 23, passing 105 yards, one touchdown. That's great. He rushed uh, 16 carries for 101 yards, one touchdown. That's great. Um, he did have two big – huh? I'm going to tell you. He uh, – he he did have so in the in the rushing game I was fine with this he was a little bit more conservative um it was obviously really wet really slippery he doesn't need to be putting him out his uh, his body on the line as much um well he never should be but especially in these conditions I don't want him twisting or tweaking an ankle um on the fumble play the Ravens were up uh 14 oh yeah they're up right the Ravens were up by three and um they were gonna they were driving to make it up by ten if they got a touchdown on this drive. And Lamar Jackson, this happened numerous times. He could have bounced the ball out to the left and um, ran down the sideline. And it would have been a more indirect route to the end zone, but he could have made it. He has the legs. He has the speed. Instead, he tried to squeeze past the defender, and he just got the ball straight taken out of his hands. So then the uh, 49ers drive down the field, and they tie the game 17-17. On the very next drive, the Ravens drive down the field, we're in field goal range. It's fourth and five. We send. Is this the fourth quarter with like eight minutes left? We send the. Stop clicking that. We send the off the field goal team on, and it's and Lamar Jackson waves them off. Now, yes, the Ravens have been a very aggressive team, especially in fourth down big play moments. But in these conditions, the way our defense has been playing, holding down the second overall offense to 17 points at that rate, you take your points and you go up. But instead, Lamar waved them off. Harbaugh, of course, respected his decision, called back the team. And then Lamar drops back and turfs the ball on to Andrews and doesn't even give him a chance to make a play, turning the ball over. Luckily enough, the Ravens' defense was able to stop them, and then we get down the field. Uh, the Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers used both their last two timeouts on 
uh, fourth down plays where Lamar Jackson runs the ball, gets gets his yards, and then we wind on the clock and take the game when you field goal. So that, therefore, I want to talk about the defense. Um, other than the running back Raheem Mostert, who had 146 yards and averaged 7.7 yards. Uh, what, what, how do you pronounce his name? Mostert. Mostert there you go. Garoppolo how uh, struggled. Uh, it was a rainy game. He's a pocket passer, and the Ravens defense played really well. Um, he did complete 15 out of 21 for 165 yards, one touchdown. Um, he just struggled moving the ball down the field. The, but overall, they kept the receiving cores in check. They kept Kittle to only 17 yards and two catches. And Emmanuel Sanders had the most receptions with four for 41 yards. So overall, um, I think the Ravens defense played great. And uh, it was a great team win. They didn't just solely rely on Lamar Jackson. Uh, the defense played great. And Justin Tucker, once again, came through and hit the game-winning field goal. I'm going to say this about that game. This was the most team win I've seen the Ravens have all year. Their offense has been relied on to go out and dominate. Not just dominate by 10, dominate by 20, 30, sometimes even 40 in games. But this time they actually had to step up on defense, change up their game plan on offense. They had to spread the ball out more. Um, and I think that that was fantastic job by Baltimore. Um, I will say, though, uh, Ethan brought up a fourth down play in which uh, Lamar Jackson called off a punt, um, a field goal. I have no issue with that, if I'm being honest. That, like, if I'm, if I'm a, a fan watching that, which I am, I see that as John Harbaugh having faith in his quarterback. That is something that is huge. I mean, confidence is a lot. I mean, mentality is a big part of playing the game. Like, if you're not in a good state, you're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to start throwing balls like Sam Darnold. But... <laughs> But I think that John Harbaugh has a lot of faith in his quarterback, which he should. Uh, the team has a lot of faith in Lamar Jackson. Uh, everybody in that locker room has come out and said that he is the leader of that team, which is fantastic to hear. Um, I think that if the conditions were clearer, I think that Lamar Jackson would have gotten to unleash the full Ravens offense onto the 49ers and treat them the same way that they treated the Patriots and the Rams. So I I don't know. I think that this Ravens team is, without question, the best in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to agree with Schwab when he said this was um, by far the best team win. Uh, this is probably the most exciting game for me this year. Not not just blowing out the Rams, but like when it got hard, when it got tough, when it's rainy, when your MVP player is playing like a normal man and not playing like a god they still found a way to win. So I, I was really uh, really excited and happy for this team win. When it comes down to that fourth down play, I can agree with, Sh with Schwab that how you, like, the behavior and, like, the mood that you set, the mood that you set for your team and how you guys want to play and the enthusiasm is big. But when you have the number one kicker in the league, arguably, you give him that field goal. You don't call him off. That was That's three points. We wouldn't have had to worry about scoring that last drive if he would have just let Tucker go out there and just kick that field goal. I understand that we've been going for fourth downs this whole season, but there has to be a time where you have to play the conservative game and just get the three points and, and go, get off the field. Um, I also want to talk about the rain, and rain conditions and how the San Francisco team was using their fourth, their fourth string running back 
and he still got 146 yards on 19 carries. I think that if it's if th- if this was not a rainy game, I think this game would have been a lot different. I yes, the Baltimore Ravens would have been able to dr- run a lot better and make better cuts, and same thing with Lamar Jackson would have had a, a lot better game. But it's also Jimmy Garoppolo would have been able to throw the long balls that he's been thriving on this whole season. Him dropping back in the pocket and doing checkdowns, it's it it works. It he didn't play bad, but if he's able to throw those 30 yard, 40 yard throws that he's been doing all season. He's able to make the plays that the 49ers have been thriving off of. Um, and also, if Tevin Coleman, Nat Burita, or even, we, don't, we haven't seen him play this season, but McKinnon were healthy, this game is so much different. I, I'm a Ravens fan. I'm happy we got the win. But I feel like if the two, if those two conditions were different, I feel like the San Francisco 49ers could have came out on top. So I don't want to say that the, 40, the Ravens are the best team in the NFL at the moment. But we do... We do. We are number one in power ranking, so we will see. When did we? What is your number one team in the power ranking? Get to make one. I, I would give it to the Ravens at the moment, but I don't. I don't. I don't think it's fair to count the 49ers out because of all the scenarios and the injuries. I would have them at two. 49ers at two. Yeah. I would have the Ravens at one, but the 49ers at two because the Ravens are an all-around better team, number one offense and a top ten defense. 49ers. But we have the ability to score those points better than San Francisco does, and we can also hold an offense. I mean, we can. I mean, our defense was able to contain the 49ers' offense, and we also have the offense to put up those points. Um, so we're doing reactions to Week 13, but one game is still left. The uh, the um, Minnesota Vikings at Seattle Seahawks. The Eight and three Minnesota Vikings and the nine and two Seattle Seahawks. So since we can't react, do you want to give your picks and then why you're picking the team? The Minnesota Vikings. No, I'm I'm going with the Vikings here. I'm going with the Vikings. I'm going with the more well-rounded team. I think Everson Griffin is going to have a huge day on the defensive side. I think he's going to be able to pressure Russell Wilson. I think he's going to be able to hurry him into bad throws. Um. Uh. Also. Minnesota's defense as a whole, guys like Harrison Smith have been playing fantastic this year. Um, their defense normally goes rather underrated because their offense has those weapons like Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, and Adam Thielen. Um, but overall, I think that this Minnesota team is a lot stronger than what people give them credit for, and I think they are an all-around much better team than Seattle is. Um. I disagree with Schwab on this one. I believe that Seattle will come out on top. I think it's not going to be decided in the running game. I don't think it's going to be decided in the wide receiving core or on defense. I think it's going to come down completely to the quarterback position. And Kirk Cousins has had a lights-out, season this game. Not light-out season this season. But I feel like it's a, he's going to come down to earth like he did what was it, two weeks ago. The Chiefs. Yeah, he's gonna come back to work. come back down to earth like he did against the Chiefs, and I feel like he is going to have this off game. And Russell Wilson, he's second in the MVP race. I think he's gonna have a great game this season, this game. And other than Xavier Rhodes, and uh, Smith. and Harrison Smith, there's not really much going for the uh, Minnesota's secondary. And especially with Limbaugh, Joseph out, and Jalen Holmes, and Adam Thielen out. 
it's that those are three huge players for them all out. So I don't well not well Joseph is questionable and Holmes is questionable, but they will probably not play because they're just gonna hold them off for a game. And that's two D tackles and a and their best arguably their best wide receiver. I like Stephon Diggs personally. Um, but I don't. I don't think this is going to come down to the wide receiving core, the running back core, or any of that. It's I think it's purely going to be on which quarterback outperforms the other one. Um. Yeah. So this game, I also am with Evan. I'm on the, with the Seattle Seahawks here. Uh, it's in it's at Century Link, which is an extremely hard uh stadium to play in. And um, like Evan said, it's going to come down to the quarterback matchup. And if you're going to say who do you want in the big primetime game, Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson, I'm going to take Russell Wilson a million times. Uh, Kirk Cousins struggles in uh, primetime games uh, at the Redskins. He was terrible. Now, this year he did beat Dallas Cowboys, but Dallas hasn't beat a team above 500 yet. So um, it's not that much of an accomplishment. And um, the big the big hit on Seattle, though, is that Javion Clowney is questionable. And in big games, like the 49ers game where they beat them in overtime, Clowney single-handedly was the force on defense. So does that, that does kind of scare me. Dalvin Cook could get loose. Kyle Rudolph could get loose. Stephon Diggs could get loose. So without Jadivian Clowney kind of being the front-runner for this defense, you're going to need to look to, like, Shaquille Griffin or someone to make – or Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner would be great to come up big in this game. Someone needs to come up big in this game for the uh, Seattle Seahawks defense.